Hi, hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Beyond Strategy, an ACG National Capital Region podcast focused on leaders that drive innovation, enhance understanding, and achieve market-clearing outcomes in the National Capital Region. I am Andy McEnroe of Raymond James's Defense and Government Investment Banking Team. And I'm Jen Wappas of the Infinity Group at RBC Wealth Management. Today, we are excited to present to you Jared Shepard, President and CEO of Hypori. Hypori's mission is to provide secure access to data from any device, anywhere. The company empowers businesses and government agencies globally to protect data within their enterprise by eliminating the edge as an attack surface and preventing data at rest or in transit outside the enterprise from being compromised. Jared is also the owner, founder, and chairman of the board for Intelligent Waves. Intelligent Waves delivers mission-focused multi-domain operational expertise and innovation to to government customers through high-impact technology solutions in the areas of cybersecurity, data science, enterprise network and systems engineering, software development, and platform mission support. Jared is an experienced and innovative industry leader with over 20 years of information technology, federal services, and sales experience. He is a U.S. Army veteran who, following his time in uniform, became the lead technical planner for 3Corp in the U.S. Army. Jared deployed from 2003 to 2005 with Combined Joint Task Force 7 and Multinational Corps Iraq, where he helped architect the U.S.-built DOD Iraq network infrastructure. In 2006, he founded Intelligent Waves to support a critical need for Jayado. He personally deployed to build the first COIC into multinational core Iraq, then built that capability into every major command in Iraq and Afghanistan. Jared grew intelligent waves around tactical and strategic needs for the warfighter. In this conversation, you'll hear his views on leadership, how to balance priorities across multiple different companies, and how to quote-unquote change the world through business and charity, including his own efforts in founding a charity warrior's ethos. Now, here's our discussion with Jared Shepard. Excited to be joined today on Beyond Strategy by Jared Shepard, owner, founder, and chairman of Intelligent Waves, and president and CEO of Hypori. Jared, thank you for being here. It's awesome. I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me out to, I guess, kind of share a little bit of my story so far. Before we dive into what you've been building at both of your firms and your background, I'd like to start this interview with kind of a leadership-oriented question. What is the most important leadership principle that has guided you through the creation of both businesses? So, so my background's a little weird, uh, very atypical. We, we, we joked about it earlier. Uh, I, I was a knucklehead. I was a, I was, I've always been good at everything I ever did in my life. And when I was young, I, I wanted to be a jerk, and I was a good jerk, and I got myself in a lot of trouble. And and you know, I ended up uh, at one point being homeless and, and, and living in the backseat of a car, and, and then joining the army ultimately to get up the streets. But the guy who, one of the guys who really helped me turn my life around, told me that the most important thing you do in life is leave a legacy. And the only way that you can leave a legacy is one of two ways. And, and that's through children, right? Because you can impart your morals and your values upon your children. And, and that carries beyond you. And, and of course I was young enough at the time I was not interested in having children. And I was like, well, what's the other way? And he said, change the world. And that became impactful. Cause I was like, well, how, I mean, how can, I'm just a guy. How do I change the world? And he's like, well, you have to pick something that matters to you 
and then you have to do something about it. And it doesn't need to be you who gets credit for it. It just needs to change. You know, it, it, later in life, of course, I, I, I really realized that I was on a path to be able to have some level of effect in the world. And I told him, I said, man, I really owe you. How do I, how do I ever repay you for, for really kind of saving me in a lot of ways, you know, getting me off the street and helping me get straight? And he said, he said, well, yeah, you do. It's, 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 and it's an expensive repayment. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, well, you're going to have to do what I did for you. Uh, and you're going to have to do it when it's not convenient when it's, it's the worst possible time and it takes time that you don't have to give and it takes money or, or effort that you don't have to give and you're still going to have to stop and do it because that's when it matters. Okay, so that's kind of the way I try to live my life. Is part of that thesis what led you to the founding of, of Warrior Ethos? Yeah. Uh, well, man, that's a long story all in itself, uh, how Warrior Ethos came to me. But, but uh, I founded Warrior Ethos. I first was a donor to Wind Warrior Project uh, farther back when I, when I started my very first company, I, I literally built it in Iraq. I was working for a guy named General Ray Odierno at the time, who was just a, a great leader, and he had a lot of great, great effect on my life. And, you know, we're, we're less of a world that we lost him this last year from cancer. But uh, he, uh, he gave this speech when, I, when I, we opened the very first ever COIC, the Counter ED Operational Intelligence Center in Iraq. That was how I started my company. It was me and one employee. And, you know, he gives a speech, and I had this epiphany. Um, that the idea of the ultimate sacrifice is maybe narrow. I, I sometimes say it's BS, but that's it's harsh. It's the idea that dying for your country is the only ultimate sacrifice is narrow, that the ultimate sacrifice is bigger than that. It's, it's giving some part of who you are for something greater than what you are. And, and that can be a limb that can be a friend that can be time away from your children. Right. I mean, it can be lots of things, but the ultimate sacrifice I felt was a lot broader. And I was back way back then when I was with me and one employee in this little company that I thought was going to last for about six months and I was going to try to build a nest egg off of. I decided, man, if I ever become bigger, I'll try to make a difference. And uh, fast forward, you know, 18 months or so, uh, I I was able to write my first hundred and hundred and forty five thousand dollar check to the Wind Warrior Project to which uh, General Odierno, who was was my boss and mentor in, in, in a lot of ways, he actually flew in and presented it on my behalf. Uh, to them, which was, which was amazing. And, uh, and then from there, it just kind of, it, it kind of grew how I started Warriors Ethos was, is the, I, I developed a mantra, which the mantra was not to focus on the injury, but to focus on what was next. And, and I would you know, ask a very emotional question of wounded soldiers and veterans and say, okay, I get it. You were hurt, but what's next? And it, that always elicited a very, uh, emotional response from family members, from the veteran, from, from everybody else like that. And, and, and I just kind of, that became my passion, which was, you know, helping people with what's next. And that's kind of how Warriors Eat Those started. And now it's almost 10 years into it now. So it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a, a definitely a, a labor of, of passion. Pulling that thread a little bit, how does what you do with Intelligent Waves and Hypori and the development of those two companies generally relate to that thesis or that mission statement, if you will, of what you've put out here with both Warrior Ethos and what you uh, noted to us here in the opening? So I, I guess, you know, I kind of go back to that idea of change the world. Um, but the, you know, the thing I, like I tell my employees all the time, you know, I've been telling them for years and years and years, I've never fired, fired somebody for, for trying to do the right thing, right? I fired people for doing things for money and, and for doing the wrong thing and other things that are obvious, right? But, but never for trying to do the right thing. And, and so I, I guess, you know, my kind of guiding ethos that I tell people is just do right, do right always. And, and, and kind of, so my first mentor, what he told me was, you know, it, a lot of times it won't be when it's convenient or easy. It's just when it's important. That's interesting. We've kind of come 
Yeah, sorry, we diverged already. (laughs) We did. We we went in real deep right away. Um, How do you think your leadership style has changed over time? In some ways, not at all, but in in a lot of ways, completely. I I think I've always been who I am, and and I've, I've tried to stay true to that which is, you know, passionate and loyal and, and, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, I, the, the military, the infantry, combat arms, you know, taught me the fundamentals of leadership. And, and I was a, a wayward kid when I was young for a lot of reasons, you know, most of them my fault. Uh, and, and I really needed a, a, a guiding light, a guiding compass, right? A baseline, sure. yeah. which became, you know, the, the, the morals and ethics that the military teaches, that the army teaches, especially as a leader. Um, you know, those responsibilities that kind of became the baseline for what I, what I later became. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm learning every day. Sure. And, and, you know, I was running intelligent ways for what, 16 years before I spun Hypori out. I thought I knew everything there was about small, medium sized <laughs> business, spun out Hypori and tried to raise a round of funding and then realized I really don't know shit. So uh, speaking of that, how, how do you juggle both firms right now? So give us a little background on that. You've, you spun out, you're running two firms plus Wario warriors eat those. How, how do you do all this? And a family and kids. <laughs> and, and so I, I always joke, people ask me that. They're like, how do you run two businesses, a nonprofit and have three kids at home? And I said, yeah. well, you, you start in the opposite order. So I start with the three kids yep. and, and I isolate time for them. And then I can work on everything else with what time is left. And it doesn't mean I give them as much time as I would like. I would love to give them more time, but you know, I, I, I do dedicate and isolate time for my wife and my kids. Cause they're, they're the, the most important thing I do. But, you know, one of the things I had to learn was, you know, I, I can't run a services company and a product company together because uh, one will try to eat the other. And, and that's really what happened. My product company tried to kill Intelligent Waves because I was sucking everything out of Intelligent Waves to try to build what, what is now Hypori. And I brought in Tony Crescenzo to run Intelligent Waves for me, uh, who has been a great mentor and, and, and uh, a great leader of the org. You know, he kind of came and told me, he said, hey, uh, once you hire me to come in and be the president, he's like, I know you, when, I, when I started, I still retain the CEO title. He said, but really, I'm going to make it easy for you. You kind of have two choices at, at that point once, once I join the company. And I, you, you want me to come and take care of this. It's like, okay, what's that? He's like, well, he's like, I believe in your morals, your values, and, and your direction. And you have to believe that I'm going to, to represent those as best as I possibly can and keep the, the culture that you built, right? Which culture is really one of the only things that a CEO truly owns in an organization. Mm-hmm. And he said, the other choice you have is whether you're going to fire me or keep me. He's like, other than that, the rest of the decisions are mine. Yeah. And I was like, and I was, that was hard to hear. You know, but uh, did you did you go into that situation thinking that's what you'd no, be hearing? Not at all, not at all. But it was probably the best thing I could have ever heard, right? And it was uh, because it forced me to make the leadership and emotional and personal decision that I had to make that decision to walk away as the the day-to-day leader of an organization so that I could be successful to be the day-to-day leader of another organization, or I would have just been the unsuccessful leader of two. Sure. And, and you just can't do that. Right. And you have to be able to give something your focus to make it to make it right. So you brought up a good point about culture and the culture that you build in the companies. But as you run each of these businesses, what's the most important metric or statistic or thing that you focus on to measure success? Yeah, it's an easy one. Impact. Um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of the way I live my life. It's the way I tell my employees to live their lives. The most important thing we can ever do is just have an impact. How you measure impact, that depends. You know, some, some people measure impact by money. I believe money is just a tool for impact, not in the measurement of impact. Um, you know, intelligent wave doesn't have to be a, 
you know, to make hundreds of millions of dollars to be impactful. It has to change the mission. It has to be impactful for their customers. It has to do things that, that change the way or improve the way in which the mission is executed. That's impactful, right? Money just happens to be a side effect. Let's take a step back and talk about the development of Hypori and Intelligent Waves. First, Hypori inside of Intelligent Waves, and then the split out. You mentioned the realization you had that the product business was going to eat the services business. Yep. Walk our audience through the origin, though, of why you decided to start a product business inside of a successful services business and how separately both can continue to pursue their independent missions. Sure. So, man, talk about a couple, almost a couple decades worth of learning experiences, but, uh, you know, starting as a services company, then turning into a VAR, then turning into an integrated services company, and then a product integrated services company, and then back out again. Uh, we had tried a lot of different things as ways in which ultimately to have that impact, right? So how do you deliver impact to a customer? Um, and, and that's, that's a hard thing to make a decision to do because being a VAR doesn't really deliver impact, but it generates revenue. Revenue has value because it enables you to do other things that can, that can deliver impact, right? We, to the, how Hypori came to be, uh, was in intelligent ways. We were trying to get at a very bespoke solution for the special operations and intelligence community, which was the idea of getting at a denied space operations capability. How can you go into a place that you're not supposed to be where you could be arrested or shot for being there if you get caught with something you're not supposed to have and bring nothing with you? Buy a cell phone off the local host nation market and be able to, following a little bit of procedure, securely command and control in a environment where it could be problematic if you get captured to be there, right? And that was a hard problem, but it's a hard problem for a very small customer set. And as we continue to explore that, that was how I ended up encountering what is now Hypori, um, what was actually then Hypori as well, but was a startup that, that had challenges going to market for a number of reasons, timing and, and, and strategy, et cetera. And I was able actually to step in and buy out the IP. And I hired six of the original developers who were really the thought behind what became what was Hypori. We, we solved this one very small bespoke solution. And in the process, we realized, man, we're sitting on something way bigger. Like from an impact standpoint, this isn't just this little problem that it solves. It's a much bigger problem for the world that it solves. And so, all right, let's throw more at this and see what can happen. And, and eventually we got to the point where I was, I mean, in fairness, I was bleeding intelligent waves dry to try to fund Hypori, to build Hypori. And, and neither one were going to be successful the way that I was, uh, I was approaching that because I was just eating both of them to do it. And uh, a, a mentor of mine stepped aside and said, hey, if you think it's really that good of idea, you should be able to do it with somebody else's money. And that was, that was you know, an epiphany. I've had a long life of epiphanies, but that was one of my epiphanies. Where I was like, wait, what do you mean? And he said, well, if it's really going to be that successful, you should be able to do it with somebody else's money. You shouldn't have to do it with your own money. So that was what ended up leading to the genesis of us spinning Hypori out and going and raising money, um, which, which in itself is a, a complete, you know, half hour discussion of learning lessons. <laughs> I, I imagine for sure. Taking kind of a, a step to the left here, though, how do you sell the vision? For both businesses, we mentioned culture, and culture is probably part of vision here. But what is your pitch to either attract talent to Intelligent Waves from a services perspective, or as you just alluded to, attract capital to fund an emerging technology company? Well, it's 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 actually kind of beautiful that you said it that way because I I would argue that the only thing a CEO really owns in a company is vision and culture right? Everything else belongs to your employees. It belongs to your team. It belongs to the organization. It belongs to the mechanism of the business. Vision and culture belongs to the CEO. And, and so, 
you know, the vision of intelligent waves is, is we have always been and, and strive to always be a disruptive technology firm. So the idea that we are not, we're not a butts and seats company, we weren't looking for cheap, low, low cost labor, we were looking for disruptive uh, thought leaders to come and help and solve really difficult problems for the government. And, you know, it's not hard to break in and build on that, but I think Intelligent Waves has done a really good job of doing that. How would you describe in one word or phrase what you've established in the industry or how the industry, maybe said another way, would describe Jared Shepard? Oof. Um, I would say lucky. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> How? Well, and a lot of people would tell me, yeah, I have people tell us that when I tell them, hey, look, I'm just really lucky to be here. People go, no, you worked hard. And I'm like, well, janitors work hard. That doesn't make, them, that doesn't make them, you know, successful in life. I, I don't know in one word that would be tough. It could be a I, phrase. I, I mean, I would come back to, I hope, in, when history looks at me, uh, when my children look at me, I, I hope that they can use the word impactful because that's what I strive to be, you know? So, I mean, that's what I try. That's what I hope it would be. Part of our podcast is also imparting lessons to our audience as many of our uh, listeners are aspiring leaders, maybe executives of businesses involved in finance and accounting in some form or fashion. You mentioned earlier in our discussion kind of how you dedicate time to your family and then ensure there's also time for your business. What piece of advice would you give someone who may be trying to strive to create that same kind of balance in their life between either family and work obligations or nonprofit and work obligations or just obligations at large? Yeah, I I get approached by a lot of people who are are just really emerging into their own careers professionally and say, I want to give back. And, you know, and, and they want to give, you know, they got 50 bucks in their wallet. They want to give away 25 of it. And, and I, I kind of go back to the, you know, that guy that, that, that saved me and helped me get off the streets and really helped me convince me to, to change things in the world. And when I wanted to make a difference, he told me something that again was, was impactful that I've carried for a long time. Uh, and by his name was John Patterson and, and, and he, he's, he's helped me a lot, but he, he said, uh, you don't give the shirt off your back to someone else. I said, well, why? And his answer was, well, because there'd be two cold assholes. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, well, what does that mean? I mean, that means you don't help people. And he said, no, he said, you work hard enough that, that you can be successful enough that you can buy a whole bunch of shirts for a whole bunch of people. And that's the, the, what scales. So when it comes to that prioritization of, of impact is you have to first be successful before you can start trying to allocate your time and energy into giving um, because then you have a larger base to give to. So that was, that was what we tried to accomplish. When you think of the future for Jared Shepard and your respective companies, is there organic growth in both companies' future? Is it inorganic growth? Are you looking to add a third company to the portfolio? <laughs> what, what's next? My, my wife would probably shiv me if I added a third company. <laughs> um, Let's not do that. Let's not go there. Um, but there's, I mean, all companies have to organically grow. Um, you know, you, if you're not focused on how to organically grow, um, then, then you're not really trying to build a business. You're just buying businesses. Um, so you have to organically grow. Now that doesn't mean that M&A is not an option. And, and especially as you start to grow at scale, M&A almost always becomes an option in which you can bolt on other capabilities, uh, shortfalls, you know, specific solutions that you need or complementing complementary things. So intelligent waves is, is doing great at its growth side of the house. You know, of course I, I don't manage that on a day-to-day basis any longer. 
longer. Um, but but watching and getting to participate and seeing what the impact that they're having with the customers and where that growth is coming from, I think they're going to probably grow another you know thirty percent in the next twelve months or so, which is which is an amazing growth amazing. for a services yeah. company. Um, Hypori has been growing one hundred percent year over year or more. I mean, we are. It, it's funny. So my my first investor, a guy named Ray Lane, he uh, uh, it was a guy that helped build Oracle from from scratch. Runs Great Point Venture. He uh, you know he built Oracle from 4,500 4, people to forty five thousand people. He wrote the first check for what is now Beyond Meat. I mean, very very successful investor, but more importantly, a very very successful operator. And that that operations experience, you know, when I first came and pitched to him, and and I said, he said, well, what do you think it's going to be? And I said, well, I. I want to build a billion dollar plus company. And he kind of laughed at me and I took offense and I was like, well, I really think it is. He's like, Jared, Jared, take a deep, take a deep breath. Relax. <laughs> He's like, I think you're undershooting. He's like, I think it could be way wow. bigger than that. Oh crap. And of course that, that then means, Oh crap. That that's a lot of work I'm yeah. going to have to do. Yeah. Right. So yes, growth is always critical. It's, it, it's the one universal measurement of success across the board, whether it's organic, inorganic, external bolt on, whatever it happens to be, all businesses eventually are looked at based upon growth. You know, uh, the, the stock market looks at that, looks at it that way. So does everybody else. Mm -hmm. So, so as we progress towards the end of our time today, we would want to pivot towards life lessons that can be additive to the audience. So what's one life lesson in your, that your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their career? I mean, you know, most of us should be our own worst critics. Right. And, and, that's not necessarily the lesson, but the lesson is, is that when we look at ourselves in the mirror, what we see is not what everybody else sees. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy for us to doubt ourselves or to, to believe that we are somehow less capable uh, or delivering less than what we really are. Now, of course, the dangerous thing is to be on the other side and to think you're more than you really are. But I, I think it's important to believe in yourself. Um, you know, like with, with Hypori, if you had told me that I was going to be disruptive in, in Google and Microsoft and AWS, when I first spun this out, I'd have said, that's just way too big of a fight. I'm done. I'm not ready to do that, but here we are yeah. and, and we are, and we're going to become more so. And now that I'm up in the fight up to my neck, I'm kind of <laughs> like, Hey, let's do it. Yeah. Right. You know, so, you know, believe in yourself, do more, be more, you know, cause you can, you just absolutely can. And the way that you do that more so than anything else is surround yourself with people who are better than you. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, you have to do that from a, from a civility standpoint, from a, the way that you look at yourself standpoint, but also know that if, if you're the smartest guy in the room, Problem. then you're the only guy that walks out of the room with nothing, right? Everybody else walks out with something, but you don't. Mm -hmm. It's way better to be in a room full of people who are all smarter than you, because then you're the one that walks out with the most because you take away from every one of those people who gave something to you. Yeah, that's a great point. You've received a lot of awards for entrepreneurship, leadership. Your firms received cybersecurity excellence awards. Your companies have been voted top 10 place for a veteran to work. We end our interviews with kind of the most imperative question. What's the most important thing that our audience should know about Jared Shepard? Anything I've ever done has not been done by me. It's been done by other people. Uh, I'm, I'm privileged and blessed to be surrounded by people who are amazing, who have helped me build everything that I've ever accomplished. And when we get those awards, you know, they give them to Jared Shepard or they give them to, to the company, but it's really not, they give them to the team. Uh, I, I, I love that, that my name has become synonymous, not with me, but with so many people who are so smart and so capable 
and and we I, you know we wouldn't be here without them. This is this is not the Jared Shepard show. This is the the Intelligent Wave show, the Hypori show, the Warriors Heat those show, the show of selfless, hardworking, you know, just outstanding people. So. If our audience wants to get involved with Warrior Ethos, what's the best way for them to do it? Yeah, man, it, I, I, that'd be awesome because we need it. Uh, we always need the help. Warrior's Ethos if focuses, for those of you who don't know, uh, Warrior's Ethos focuses on helping veterans in transition out of the military to be successful. Um, because you, the, the one thing that we absolutely need with a continuously declining percentage of our population that support or that participate in service in our country is we need to make sure that we have that representation, whether it's in politics or in business or just successful families, right? We need to make sure that once you've served your country that you get out and you can do something else successful. Your service to your country shouldn't be the apex of your life, right? It, it, it should just be one more step to a great life. And, and helping people be successful in transition is critical. And that's what Warriors Ethos focuses on. So you could reach out to us. Go to www.warriorsethos.org, which is warriors uh, with an S, W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S-E-T-H-O-S.org. And uh, click volunteer. We're always looking for, for help. We're, we're looking for three fundamental things. Resources, obviously. Money is the easy one because that helps us you know, provide resumes. It helps us do, do that kind of work. Um, but we also need help with, we need volunteers, we need mentors, we need coaches, we need people who are willing to help others. Uh, and then, you know, the most important of the three that I always talk about is hire veterans. Go out of your way to hire a veteran, right? You go, go and, you know, analyze, especially those of you who are on the phone that are, you know, that are listening to the podcast that are, you know, in the CFO role or in, in, a, in a financial role or in an HR role, you know, go and look at your processes and, and say, you know, ask yourself, do you make an exception um, for somebody who's served their country, but maybe doesn't have the college degree, right? You know, what about somebody who served seven, eight years in the military? Is that, is that an, an, an equal equivalent to a bachelor's degree? I would, I'd tell you, I'd compare almost anybody who served eight years against anybody who's coming out of college. Um, but most HR processes don't account for that, right? So, you know, look at that in, internal thing, have that reflection as a business and figure out, because I hire businesses say all the time, I want to hire veterans. Great. But what are you doing? Yeah. Right. Have you adapted your process? to accommodate for veterans, to recognize veterans, to recognize that service and, and the experiences that come from it. So that's what I definitely ask for. Jared Shepard, founder of Warriors Ethos, president and CEO of Hypori, owner, founder, and chairman of the board for Intelligent Waves. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was, it was awesome. I appreciate you guys uh, uh, listening to me ramble. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to Jared Shepard for joining us on this episode of Beyond Strategy. I really took away a lot from this interview, Jen. The fact that he noted you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to surround yourself with people better than you and have those aspirational goals to really reach for it and grow a company. They, they really resonated with me, and I think they'll resonate here with the broader National Capital Region business community. Absolutely, and having a mission and a purpose, and um, it was really great of Jared to share his experience with us. Well, if you like this podcast, we hope that you'll subscribe to Beyond Strategy, an ACG National Capital Region podcast focused on the leaders that drive innovation, enhance understanding, and achieve market clearing outcomes. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For Jen Wappas, I am Andy McEnroe, thanking you for joining us and hoping that you'll join us once again next time.